Hey everybody, do you know what time it is? Well, look at the clock, it says Set the Tone, episode 16, here we are, you can follow along on Twitter, at setthetone underscore pod, again that is at setthetone underscore pod, I am your host, Tony, it is Super Bowl recap edition, the LA Rams defeated the Cincinnati Bengals 23-20 in what was a nice Cherry on top of a fun slate of NFL playoff games all throughout Super Wild Card Weekend to where we have gotten to now just a few days after the season. Matt Stafford with a big legacy win needed it very much so to cement some Hall of, Hall of Fame candidacy and we think he should have done so with that win. Uh, always nice for a dominant player like Aaron Donald to have that win to his credit. Sean McVay as well, who was once dubbed the next guru in the NFL, has kind of fallen by the wayside a little bit. He has maybe done uh, less with more now than he did in the past, but guess what you're not taking away from him, and that is a Super Bowl ring on his finger with, oh, just a good chunk of change in diamonds that Stan Kroenke and co. will be giving to the... LA Rams. So impressive for them, a fun game, and let's get into, I think, what has transpired, right? We've all watched the game, 110 million people did, and we understand what happened, and not too many things to break down outside of the fact that I think one thing that we learned in these playoffs is that your glaring weaknesses get you at the most inopportune times. We saw it with the Dallas Cowboys. A very sloppy football team. Penalties bit them in the butt. We saw it with the Green Bay Packers. Special teams bit them in the butt. And we saw it here with the Cincinnati Bengals. The offensive line bit them in the butt. It warranted uh, another injury for Joe Burrow, which would be a sprained MCL, which we could say... Limited his play a little bit down the stretch. And one other thing it did do in the winning moments of the game, Aaron Donald burst through the offensive line and has Joe Burrow in the grasps as he is attempting to dump the ball off um, out in the flat. Can't get it done. Not only that, Jamar Chase wide open downfield. So an offensive line that Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals offense was able to overcome throughout the season, put a 10-7 and record together, march through the playoffs, and find themselves in the Super Bowl. When they needed it to stand up most, it was not there. And we can't say we're surprised one bit. Same thing with that Cowboys exit, same thing with that Packers exit. You cannot say you were surprised because the team was set up for failure in that avenue. And this one is tricky for me because I thought the Cincinnati Bengals would have been better off drafting Panay Sewell out of Oregon for at a left tackle position rather than Jamar Chase. You may think, well, hold on. They just made it to the Super Bowl. Well, Jamar Chase is great. Offensive Rookie of the Year. Yes, you're right. And I contest that Jamar Chase may be one of the generational wide receivers we're about to see over the next 15 years with Joe Burrow at quarterback. But the one thing I will say with that is maybe Cincinnati handicapped or handcuffed 
themselves a little bit. That they're not going to be able to get that stud offensive lineman now. Right? That the Bengals are always going to be, with the weapons they have around, good enough. And that lineman who could be a 10-year stud in the NFL very well may not be there at any of their draft positions. Right? They might not win the AFC North consecutively each year, but they could be anywhere from a 7 to 9 to 10 win team in that group consistently each year because of good quarterback play and because of good weapons on offense. So the ship may have sailed for Cincinnati is the way I look at this. I hear so many people tell me, oh, Joe Burrow's going to get his. And it's so funny to listen to the narrative because maybe we've become accustomed that Tom Brady made it back. Patrick Mahomes has made it back. Peyton Manning, Drew Brees, they, they all got theirs. But it's not easy. It is nowhere close to easy when a guy like Dan Marino who goes to the Super Bowl in his second year, cannot make it back. It tells you how difficult it really is. I would not be surprised if Cincinnati never sniffs an AFC championship again. It's just the nature of the beast. And I honestly view this season as more of a flash in the pan. And this is not a knock on Joe Burrow. It's not a knock on Jamar Chase. I think they are going to be all pro talents through their career that might wind up in Canton one day. But it's possible that they do that without ever reaching the pinnacle of the National Football League. That's the unfortunate part about it. And one other thing I've heard a lot of people take, it seems like a lot of credit away from the LA Rams. I'm not buying into that narrative. I give credit where credit's due. You win a big game. Make plays when it matters. It's the ring on your finger. That will silence a lot of noise. Let's be fair to the Rams. And I was critical of them all season long. That they brought in too many players. And the ultimate goal was a Super Bowl. Anything less than that was absolute failure. That includes making it to the Super Bowl and losing. Losing in overtime, losing in any sort of heartbreaking fashion would have been a failure. Turns out not to be the case. The Rams step up again in a big spot and push through when it matters. Now, as we look into, it's funny how the NFL offseason picks up already. We have Kyler Murray deleting social media uh, posts or information that relates to the Arizona Cardinals. We look at Antonio Brown wants to potentially come to Baltimore, play with Lamar Jackson. Tom Brady's retired, so Tampa Bay is an open opportunity. Does Russell Wilson potentially move? Right. What is the carousel of quarterbacks here in the NFL? Kyler Murray is one that we did not see opening. And seems that there is a little bit of immaturity on his end. You would think of any of the quarterbacks who are complaining, he would be at the bottom of the list. A guy that was given James Conner, 
to pair with Chase Edmonds, who has DeAndre Hopkins and Christian Kirk and drafted Rondale Moore, you would think Kyler Murray would be relatively happy. Is it the fact that he has not gotten picked up yet? Or a contract extension? Because Lamar Jackson hasn't received one either. Baker Mayfield has not received one either. Isn't that funny to see how much we view Baker Mayfield and how much he gets bashed in the public light and that he has not received a contract extension that the Browns are playing the waiting game. You know who's also playing the waiting game is the Baltimore Ravens with Lamar Jackson. And believe it or not, Baker Mayfield and Lamar Jackson both have one playoff win. Sure, you get a little bit more consistency. Well, not a little bit more, but you get more success with Lamar Jackson from a production standpoint in the regular season. But look look what he has had. The weapons around him. The ability that he's had to make a statement in the postseason has not been able to do so. And again, that kind of goes back to the point of what Joe Burrow has to deal with. It's not easy to do. Also, Lamar Jackson is still a very talented player and stands in the way of Joe Burrow. But if we're going to be quite frank here, for all intents and purposes, Lamar Jackson and Baker Mayfield are in the same boat right now. That they're still being viewed by their franchise. That there is still a question mark that looms over their head. And I have been critical of Lamar Jackson that he will not win in the big spot. So far, I have been correct in that stance. So I just want to give some food for thought again for the people who view Baker Mayfield so negatively, pessimistically. Another quarterback in your division is really in the exact same shoes. Sure, there may be more flashiness to the game, a little bit more chutzpah, production. But at the end of the day, it's one playoff win for Baker Mayfield. It's one playoff win for Lamar Jackson. What do you think about that? Could we see Cleveland open up next year? Could we see Baltimore open up next year? Pittsburgh's already open. Then maybe this is an opportunity for Cincinnati because they have the quarterback to take the next step and grab a stranglehold of a division. I don't know. And again, it boils down to the organizations themselves. Will Cincinnati even invest in an indoor facility? Who knows? They have to share time with the Cincinnati Bearcats. That's what they do. I mean, we can point to the organization being a mess, and we can point to when teams have been a flash in the pan and have overcome the ineptitude in their organization. Mets made it to the World Series in 2015. We could maybe say the Bengals are case in point right here. Tell you what, the Miami Dolphins haven't. Like that, that, that's a good example right there. 
inept ownership and it's just going to get in the way. Right? A team will only be so good as the organization allows it to. And I think oftentimes as fans, we don't think that really bleeds over to the field. But I'm going to tell you what, it does. And for that reason, I'm not necessarily going I'm not necessarily going to view the Bengals as a for real team. I wouldn't be surprised. I think there is value on Cincinnati missing the playoffs next year. Sports betting becoming legal in the state of Ohio if it gets here by summertime before kickoff can put that wager in. Cincinnati misses the playoffs. I'd be happy to do that. Going to shift some focus to the NBA for a quick moment here. Something which we do not do too much on this program and I guess timing of it as well, right? It's not the playoffs, but we are at the all-star break of the NBA season as the finest of the association trekked to Cleveland for all-star weekend. They are met with 50 mile an hour gusts of wind as we record this podcast today on a Wednesday. So that's fun, good and glaring for the city of Cleveland. But um, just a few days ago, James Harden and Ben Simmons were traded for one another. Obviously, some other players in the deal, Andre Drummond going um, to the Nets is and Seth Curry getting away from what every son-in-law wants to do, get away from the in-laws. Uh, hopefully, no one is listening to this. Uh, but Seth Curry now away from Doc Rivers. But really, the focal point of this trade was James Harden and Ben Simmons yet to play a game with their respective teams. James Harden, sore left hamstring, sitting out, recovering, getting some time. Ben Simmons, an interesting case, cites mental health a little bit more. And I have been critical of Ben Simmons longer than most. And immediately saw that after his first season, first playing season in the NBA, when he came back the second year and did not develop a shot remotely. And where his game is at, as it boils down to shooting, for you not to come back the next season a little bit better is very alarming to me. And at that point is when I was out as a fan on Ben Simmons. Now also being from the Eastern Pennsylvania area, I'm a Sixers fan, so I watched it closely. And that for that reason, I was out. For that reason, I was out on Brett Brown early because I thought he gave Ben Simmons a pass. Well, it finally came to a head. He sat out, wanted a trade, and really cited over these last six months the mental health struggles that he went through. And I thought of it like this, is we view, and I'll preface it by saying a lot of people who comment on this in the media are in jobs that they truly enjoy that they aspire to get to. Some being former athletes that they now have time to leisurely do this and comment. Others in the media say, well, we shouldn't cast stones or judgment at this time because we don't know enough about it. When, honestly, I think there's a possibility we could just very well be overanalyzing this. And I mean it like this. Ben Simmons is a very good basketball player. 
in the grand scheme, right? It showed when he came back, has not developed his game as much that maybe he doesn't love basketball. Has anyone ever thought of that? Has anyone thought that he just doesn't love basketball and that he kind of goes through the motions, makes a nice paycheck, we could see him retire at 30? And again, what I mean about those mental health challenges that he goes through, we all know someone, whether it's yourself, whether it's a parent, sibling, friend, aunt, uncle, cousin, whomever it may be, truly hates their job, but they do not quit, right? Because they need a paycheck. They need to put food on the table. And think of the people in America, through the world, millions of workers dread their job. They'd rather be doing something else. But time and time again, they go through it. And I'll tell you what, the days that you hate your job, they absolutely suck. They lead to some sort of anxiety. They lead to some sort of depression. It weighs on you. Have we ever for a minute thought that maybe Ben Simmons is more like us than we really know? And I think it's hard to see because the other thing is that we view athletes in such a high-profile position that rather than, and most of these guys are very good, get paid very well, have the best job in the world because that's how a lot of people view it. That's how a lot of athletes view it as the best job in the world. So whereas the average worker who hates their job in the world is the majority, Ben Simmons is now the minority being a professional athlete. Who does he have to turn to and talk to? Who can relate? Who can sympathize? I'm sure there are some guys in the locker room that might be able to, but probably not enough. And not anyone he's comfortable talking about that with. What, is he going to go to his boss? Is he going to go to Brett Brown? Is he going to go to Doc Rivers and say, hey man, I hate my job. I I just don't love it. Because that's self-sabotage. Are you going to go to your boss in the workplace and say, I hate my job. Um, You know, I'm just here so I can get a paycheck. Do as it with you will. I don't even know what I just do with it what you will. If we could speak properly, it's career suicide. You're asking to get fired. Good luck picking up references. Good luck picking up anyone that has a word for you. And then Ben Ben Simmons just self-admits that he doesn't want to really play basketball. Maybe he wants to be a basketball player to get a nice check. But does he want to really put in the effort? No. There's playing time reduction which would also come with a pay reduction because that's what market value is going to demand. So for the time being, he's going to act as if he's there, right? Act as if he's present, act as if he has a clue, and that he act as if there is some sort of interest, there is some sort of love when there really isn't. That's just my stance on it. Um, The more I've thought about it, the more intrigued I've been by it. And it is hard for us to see. Ben Simmons goes out with the Kardashian. Right? That's a perk that the common guy who hates their job doesn't have. 
So there's two sides of it. Ben Simmons gets to enjoy the luxury of coming with it. But I'll also say this. Someone that hates their job but makes a good salary job each year, well, yeah, they could go out to dinners. They can go on nice vacations. It doesn't mean they still can't hate their job. The perks of having that sort of money are going out and spending it on your friends, family, yourself. You can drive a nice car. Ben Simmons just gets to do that on an accelerated level. That's all. It's a slippery situation, and don't take me as any sort of doctor, medical professional, psychiatric examiner. I can't do that. But what I can do is just give you my thoughts, give you my opinion as a person, as a human. And and I don't know that it's necessarily a good excuse. Then what I say to Ben Simmons is go find something that you love to do. Take the time to do that. And he's also in a position too where he has money that he can fall back on. Right now he could say, I'm done with the NBA and I'm going to do something that I enjoy. But again, we talk about slippery slopes and this goes into being a child prodigy. All as Ben Simmons knows is basketball. Does he have any other loves, enjoyments, passions, or is he one of those machine-created kids? Maybe that's why it has led to some sort of immaturity issues that have been viewed. And has also led to just the overall mental challenges that he has seen. Spinning off and making one baseball point before we wrap up here, it has been reported that Juan Soto of the Washington Nationals has turned down a 13-year, $350 million contract, which would equate to $26.9 million per year. Just in the quick glances that I've had on social media is that some people seem kind of down on him, surprised that he would turn down. How could you turn down $350 million? I will say this. Juan Soto is so young that when it comes time for him to actually sign that contract as a free agent, a 13-year deal will be on the table. And let's fast track seven years from now. Let's say Juan Soto does sign that 13-year deal today. Seven years from now, he's making $26.9 million a year, probably a little bit more. Let's call it 30 because he's at the prime of his career. Is $30 million going to be the highest going rate for the best player in baseball? Seven years from now. Think about the revenue growth. Think about the talent that pushes that market upward. Because we know salaries don't go down for these top-tier players. They only go up. Juan Soto is gambling on himself. Juan Soto, also backed by Scott Boris, they know where the money is going to be seven, eight years from now. And they want that money reflected right now. I think they're playing this very smartly. And if you want to talk about teams running into issues, this is kind of the danger. If you want to call... Right, this is a danger. That they have the position to sign a 
top five baseball talent for $350 million of calling someone up early. I'm not going to call it a real danger, but that's the risk you run. I guess it's a good problem to have. I will say that much, but that is what Juan Soto is doing. Juan Soto knows exactly what his worth is down the road. He not only knows his worth today, he knows what it is down the road, and he's going to capitalize on that. Thank you for following along and joining Set the Tone, episode 16. Find it on Spotify and follow along on Twitter at setthetone underscore pod. Hope you enjoyed this episode. We will be back with more, and we'll set the tone.